0: Losing Weight to Gain Control. Today's episode Weight and Wellness with Susie Garden. episode of the Losing Weight to Gain Control podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, your host, and today I have a guest with me. I have Susie Garden, and Susie has had a varied career, but always with one thing in common, health and caring for people. She started off her career as a registered nurse, and from there was, has held numerous healthcare related roles in the hospital, industrial, and corporate sectors. She survived two redundancies and corporate burnout and is currently committed to mentoring women and supporting their health journeys. And having worked in the sickness model where illness is treated once it presents, she is convinced that the wellness model is the most sustainable option moving forward. Preventing disease in our bodies with nutritious food, functional movement, and connecting the body and mind allows us to lead longer and happier lives. And she she also founded the Wellness Clinic and she has a podcast that she hosts called The Wellness Glow. So Susie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Gwen. It's really lovely to be here.
0: Why don't we start by having you tell us your story of you taking control of your wellness and what led you to what you do now, which
1: is helping women take control of their lives. Yeah, look, it, it feels like a really long journey, but in fact, the majority of it happened only over the past probably five or six years. But as you said, yeah, I started off in uh, conventional medicine, working in hospitals as a nurse, and I absolutely loved it. And it ended up kind of getting me into uh, a corporate role where I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for quite some time. And a lot of that role involved travel. As I worked my way up the corporate ladder, I ended up in a national role. So I covered I had a team that was situated all around Australia. And Australia is geographically as big as the United States. So it's a really big area with different time zones. And I was constantly traveling. Probably every second week, I was on an airplane going uh, somewhere and staying in hotels, living on airline food and hotel food. I had no routine. I also just, I had lots of issues with sleeping because of the different time zones. And because of the stress involved in my role, and I think also just all of the stale air when you're constantly breathing in air conditioning and things like that. And I got really burnt out. I got really sick with a really nasty flu and put me literally on my back for about two weeks. Now, I know I was someone who never used to get sick and it was really, I just couldn't get out of bed for more than about half an hour without being really exhausted. And it was the first time probably in about five years that I'd actually been able to stop. And it gave me some time to really think about what I was doing in my life and what was serving me in my life and what was not. And when I really looked at it, I wasn't really happy with what I was seeing. And I knew that it wasn't going to be sustainable for me long term to be living this pretty awful kind of lifestyle. It ended up culminating, in fact, in anxiety. And I, I remember particularly an episode where I was at the local shopping center. I had a panic attack. I started to feel this sense of dread and overwhelm and that I shouldn't be there. I felt guilt that I wasn't working. And it was a Saturday and I didn't need to be working. It was just really irrational. And I just felt it's a great deal of fear and that I just needed to get out of where I was in that in the shop, and after that, I I really thought about it, thought this is not normal. This is not a good thing. I was very fortunate. I had I've been a yoga practitioner for about twenty odd years, and so I had my yoga and I had meditation to help me. And I, I truly believe that that is one of the elements that really got me through that period of time. Is that. Ability to very consciously calm my mind and therefore calm my body. We can talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, after that, I started really thinking about, well, what can I do? I love being in healthcare. Absolutely love it. But I didn't want to be in that sickness model anymore. And so I decided to study nutrition. And I did that online while I was still working in my corporate job. And then I was—I feel so grateful about this, which is a bit weird but I actually got laid off and I was so happy. <laughs> I was so happy about it because it meant that I could follow this this dream I had of studying full time and moving away from the corporate role because you know what? When you're in that lifestyle, the money's really great. Uh, my work colleagues were really great. I, I had a lot of fun. I was you know, collecting all of these frequent flyer miles. And so there were these perks and I just couldn't work out how I was going to enjoy my life without having that and getting laid off, studying full time and then starting to build my practice and having this work that is just so satisfying. It's so, it really fills my soul to be helping women in this way and showing them that The life that they're leading, where they're feeling stressed, where they're feeling out of control, where they perhaps are unwell and developing chronic illnesses, it doesn't have to be like that. And I'm absolutely thrilled to be now living this life that is far more in line with my personal values. I teach yoga. I teach therapeutic meditation. I work with the Australian Army teaching injured soldiers meditation to help with their recovery. I also have my clinic, which is now fully online because of COVID-19. And I'm also starting to run some courses. So it's been quite the journey, but it's gotten me here. And I just absolutely love my life now.
0: Well, it sounds like you took, you took control. You took steps to I did. take your life in the direction, which is usually the hard part. I mean, you kind of had a situation where you were forced to. Uh, some yes. of us have that, but some people that I talk to, they, they know they want to make a change. They need to make a change, but they're not sure how do I go about that? So that's one of the things that's I right. always like to ask our guests is how, what drove you to that point of it's time to do something different. And I like how yeah. you uh, also talked about the health part because a lot of people like to focus on I just need to lose some weight. But it's like, well, what about the rest of your health? It's not just the weight. What's your, you know, what's your nutrition plan like? Does the, is that affecting you? Because you can probably still eat junk and lose weight, but that doesn't mean it's going to make you feel any better. And actually, I wanted to ask you about that. Did you change your nutrition in any way? Did you go on a diet? Because I usually don't like that word, diet. Did you, uh, what kind
1: of lifestyle changes did you make in your food plan? Yeah, a lot, actually. I, um, gosh, a few years before I got really fully into nutrition, I went on a holiday to India. And like pretty much everyone that goes on a holiday to India, because we Westerners aren't used to their food and their lifestyle, I got gastroenteritis and, and I came home and I, um, so I had that bout of gastro, but I also, when I was over there, you know, like there's no, there's not a lot of access to dairy. So there's no ice cream there. I was eating a lot of the local food, which I really loved. There was, not a lot of alcohol there. And my husband and I had gotten into a really terrible pattern because we were both working this corporate, in corporate jobs where we would come home from work, we would cook together and then we'd sit down, we'd have a big bowl of ice cream covered yeah. in chocolate sauce. Yeah, and then we would have, we'd probably get through maybe a bottle of wine together or maybe one every two nights. So, you know, that's a fair few drinks. And we would also be, um, just before bed, having a big glass of hot chocolate and Ooh, you know, loads good. of sugar. Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It was great. But yeah, I, we both had put on quite a bit of weight. And it's that kind of thing that it really creeps up on you. Like I didn't really, I wasn't someone that used to weigh myself a lot. So my clothes were getting tighter, but I was thinking, oh, my clothes are shrinking rather <laughs> than... <laughs> Rather than I'm putting on weight. And then I kind of realized one day like, oh, actually, I think it's me. <laughs> and uh, so we went to India and I got this gastro and lost a little bit of weight. And then I thought, well, I'm just going to keep eating in a very similar way to where how we were in India in that, that very little alcohol, uh, no ice cream. I got rid of that hot chocolate at night. So I got rid of a lot of these foods and the weight came off so you know it's not rocket science in that way and I'm probably very fortunate is that now I kind of know for example a lot more about gut health and I happen to know that I've got really good gut bacteria that help me maintain a healthy weight so because this is a factor I think we're going to talk about this a little later on but this can be a factor in weight management So yes, I absolutely, and this is without a lot of knowledge of nutrition, I just cut back on a lot of the the high uh, sugar foods and alcohol and having it later at night as well. And that made an enormous difference. The nutrition is really, really important part of weight management. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: that's one thing that um, not just my guests, but on past episodes I've talked about. And usually I tell people to try and log at least at first because most of us don't realize how much we're eating or what we're eating. Yes. But when yes. I remember a few, uh, back in 2011, when I finally started looking at my food log, I thought, what in the world am I doing? I, you just don't realize it, Yeah.
1: what you're putting in no. your body. I know. And the other thing that I didn't mention at the same time is when I was at work, like I was having, we had these little um, cream biscuits. You know, you have two biscuits with the cream filling, right? Yeah. <laughs> put them together. So I would have you know, two or three of them for morning tea. I'd have two or three of them for afternoon tea. I'd go down to the local coffee shop and I was getting these, uh, they were called the caramel latte. So they were the, you know, the milk with uh, caramel syrup in it. And they did, the full one had whipped cream, but I'd get no cream and I was getting it on skim milk. So I thought I was getting the healthy version because it wasn't even in my mind that the caramel was actually just putting a load of sugar into that, beverage and so yeah there was all this sugar I was eating during the day as well and of course you know my breakfast was very low in protein it was just you know boxed cereal maybe with a bit of fruit on it and then a glass of orange juice and and then I'd be starving again by you know nine o'clock in the morning and so I'd go and grab a muffin which of course is really a cake it's just yeah I, I think part of it is that we get trained I think from from what I call big food Food manufacturers that certain things are healthy that they're not. Like muffins, for example. Calling a cake a muffin makes it sound a little bit healthier, right? I mean, yeah, you may call them healthy. something different in the States. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you kind of pretend if I'm having a fruit muffin, it's actually not a piece of cake. <laughs> but in fact it is. And a lot of those, you know, box cereals, have, you know, they they say on it they're whole grain or they're healthy or they, in Australia, we have the heart foundation tick. Yeah. Which makes us think, you know, oh, that's really healthy. But in fact, they're not, they're not healthy at all. And now that I eat whole foods, I was actually at a friend's place recently and, and she had breakfast here and she put some in a bowl and I looked at it and I went, that doesn't even look like food. And when you stop eating that kind of stuff and you're eating real food all the time, you you, you realise how we get, I guess, word molded and and into thinking processed food
0: is food and yeah, it, it, I, I just love what you just said I actually don't eat cereal anymore because one of the reasons like you said what's in it but then also if you ever I don't know if how your nutrition labels are where you live but ours tell you the recommended serving size and when I look at it, it's like that's really not a lot so when I would measure it out I thought wow that's really tiny and that's yes. One for several hours, and it, of course, it doesn't. But then at the okay. same time, once I learned about the sugar that's in it, and I started also looking at, and I don't know if you did this, how it made me feel after I would eat certain foods. You know, like you talked yeah. about ice cream, and uh, actually, I'm lactose intolerant, so I don't do uh, regular ice cream anymore. And actually, I'm trying to yeah. make my own with like coconut milk and things like that. But I, I even yeah. noticed um, when I would eat lots of bread or pasta, which I don't eat pasta much. But when I would go back to work, I was so sleepy. It would literally take me three hours to wake up again. Yeah. So I was just like, even trying to do portion sizes and trying to eat better food. But I was like, boy, the quality of the food makes a big difference. Yeah.
1: And it sounds like you
0: went through the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, I'm sorry, did you have something else to say? No, no, keep going, keep going. <laughs> okay, uh, I I mean, we kind of talked about food, but I know you said that you you coach women, you help them. Do you ever use the word diet with them? Because when I think of diet, I think about, you're taking food away from me. Why are you doing that to me? But uh, do you help them with redefining in their minds what a diet
1: is? Yeah, absolutely. I, I work a lot, I call them guiding principles. So guiding principles of nutrition, rather than talking about a diet, because yeah, we have... Baggage attached to the word diet. And even though, you know, technically diet just means what if what food you're eating, I guess. But we we attach it to restrictions, we attach it to deprivation. And we need to get away from that because it's just really all about eating real food and having the right portion sizes. And sometimes it's a little bit about timing as well, depending on what's going on with your own individual body chemistry and yeah I so I talk a lot about just how to build a plate for example how to use your hand to work out your portion sizes like you know the the, have you heard of the palm method with portion sizes like your protein for a woman is the palm of your hand the size and thickness of the palm of your hand the um, starch content is like a cup hand. The fat content is about a thumb size. like So you you can use your hand to work all that rather than thinking about counting calories and rather than thinking about, oh, I'm restricted from eating these sorts of foods and I can only eat these other sorts of foods. It's it's about really focusing on whole foods, foods that your body recognizes, not processed foods. But also, I'm a big proponent of the 80-20 rule where you're good in terms of having a, a nice, Fresh whole food diet eighty percent of the time, and then have treats. Don't you know? Say to yourself, "Oh, I can't have that," because it really does wake up that inner rebel inside of you when you sort oh, of yeah. say, "No, I'm not allowed to have chocolate cake." I mean, I'm, you're a grown up. If you want chocolate cake, have chocolate cake, but don't have it every single day. You know, and like don't have the whole cake.
0: Don't eat the whole cake <laughs> or the whole gallon <laughs> of ice cream or whatever it is. Yes, I, I think yes. once you take that. How, that re- power away from the food of that's a bad food. It's a food, but you need to watch how much you eat of it. Because like I said, it's going to either make you feel bad, really bad, or you know, it's not going to help you reach your weight loss goals or your health goals. Uh, I think, I don't know if where you live if they do this, but in America, it seems like food is demonized or certain foods are, de- or I call it demonized. Absolutely. Where they're yes, so I bad agree. that people are so afraid of them or when they eat them, they can't control themselves. And I've done that. I don't know if I ever told the story on my podcast where I went to a wedding and when they were cutting the cake, they were taking the frosting off of the cake and just putting it on the side. And I went to the lady and said, can you put the frosting on my plate, please? I just wanted to eat the frosting. I, I'm not proud of that. But just you know, to show you the mentality of, I just want the frosting. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, now I look back on it and think that was not a good thing to do. But that that's what it's about is making progress in the journey. Yes. Now, yes, one thing you um, mentioned was the your uh, gut health. Now, I I have to admit, I don't know a lot about the gut microbiome. I've heard stuff about it. I've been trying to read about it. So I was so glad when I saw this is your specialty. So can you kind of tell the listeners about what it is about
1: your gut yeah. health, that AIDS and weight yeah. loss or health? Yeah, absolutely. Not. This is fascinating. Well, to me, it's fascinating kind of stuff. And it's only fairly new information that we have. I think really uh, it, uh, in the last five to seven years is when the research in this has really started to come out and our knowledge of the gut microbiome is expanding, but we still don't know everything. We have microbiomes all over our body. And in fact, I think it was only last year or the year before they discovered the ear has its own microbiome. So our bacteria in our body is really, really important. And in fact, this always blows my mind when I think about this. We have more bacterial cells in our bodies and they're supposed to be there. We have more bacterial cells than we have human cells. So when you think about that, we are more the microbiome humans (laughs) than they are our microbiome. So we really have to look after it because it's, it's actually a bigger part of us than we are, which always blows my mind. But yeah, we have a microbiome in our gut. It tends to live mostly in the lower intestine, but there is some in the small intestine as well. And the microbiome is essentially a collection of what we call beneficial and non-beneficial bacteria. So we used to call it good and bad bacteria. But the thing is, even some of the bad bacteria is supposed to be there. So as long as it's in balance, it all keeps us well. Uh occasionally, like what happens to me, and I'm sure it's happened to most of your listeners as well, you'll get uh a food poisoning. So that's when you get a bad bacteria that overwhelms that we can't keep under control, and therefore usually that will just that will be vomiting and diarrhea for maybe a day, maybe just once, or maybe it will happen over a few days. And so that's something that really does change the balance of our microbiome, and we do need to make sure we're looking after that if that happens. The thing is with the gut microbiome. It's, how we develop it is essentially we have some when we're in utero. And then when we're born, we come through the birth canal, then we collect more through from the mother as we come through the birth canal. So that's a part of the establishment of the microbiome. And so that is something that with the cesarean uh, birth, that there is a little bit that the baby does miss out on. And uh, so our our gut microbiome is influenced by the food we eat. By drugs that we take, like antibiotics, like ibuprofen, which is like an, an anti inflammatory, a yeah. couple of different types of drugs that, that can influence the microbiome. It's also impacted by our environment. You know, if you live in a really cold place versus a really warm place. If you go traveling, you'll be exposed to different bugs. And so your microbiome starts sort of adapting to that. What about
0: stress? Really, Does stress yeah, affect yeah. also? Because I yes, notice absolutely. my eating patterns are different, or they want to be different when I'm stressed out. And because I've noticed in the last few years, my eating habits have changed. I mean, they're actually good. But the thing is, I noticed it sooner rather than later. So yeah, yes. I'm, I assume
1: stress would affect that too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point, Gwen. Absolutely. We know that stress impacts negatively on our gut microbiome. And when uh, they've done studies looking at bacteria, and obviously there was there a lot of studies going on in diabetes and in obesity, because it is such a big health problem for us in our Western countries. And what they have found is that there are certain gut bacteria that implicated, or rather, that not present in people that have obesity and they're not quite sure yet what the story is with that, whether obesity causes those bacteria to decrease or whether those people didn't have that bacteria and perhaps that has had a, a factor, played a factor in their obesity. So there's some really interesting research going on around that. I have tested my own microbiome and I know that I have the, the bacteria that help keep weight under control. And I am very lucky, even though that I have had a weight issue in the past, I know it's because I was eating loads and loads of foods that were high in sugar, that were far more calories than I needed for my daily activities. Because in a corporate job, as you can imagine, it's a lot of sitting down. Yeah. And uh, so I know the reasons that I was putting on weight. And I was able to, um, correct that. But yeah, the gut bacteria, the gut microbiome rather has such an important role on pretty much all aspects of health. And we're still only scratching the surface as to what that is all about and how we can, I guess, use probiotics. To, which are the bacteria that we introduce into our system. Probiotics perhaps to manage disease, but also prebiotics and prebiotics are foods that are high in fiber. That's all, they're nothing special. They're stuff we can find down at the greengrocer. Prebiotics are foods high in fiber that feed our good gut bacteria or our beneficial gut bacteria. So there's a lot we can do to help to keep our gut bacteria healthy around our diet so our, our gut bacteria do not like sugar they do not like alcohol they do not like processed food they don't like all so the good eating... stuff no that's right <laughs> what's wrong with them <laughs> they don't so when we eat a lot of that we are causing an imbalance in our gut microbiome and that means that the beneficial bacteria can decrease the non-beneficial can increase and that's when we can have health problems and a lot of people these days have guts problems they have digestive issues they have heartburn they have gut pain They have bloating and a lot of that is this disruption to the gut microbiome and this can lead to inflammation in the body it can lead to autoimmune diseases it can lead to we know anxiety depression there's even research going on in schizophrenia at the moment thinking that that this imbalance in the um, gut bacteria may actually be one of the causes and the We can perhaps use probiotics to heal that. So that would be really amazing if that happens.
0: Um, If somebody would like to, uh, how do you get, where do you go to get the test? Who does that kind of testing?
1: It's uh, well in the United States, I know that like naturopaths would be able to order that testing, but you know what? I think I know in Australia we can actually, anyone can go and get their microbiome tested. So there are private pathology centres where you can do that. So I'm sure if you Google it, because I'm not sure about the American ones, but if you Google gut microbiome testing, you would find a local um, centre that would do it. I mean, it's very expensive. I don't know how much it is in America, but in Australia, if so I'm doing a full, uh, what we call a GI map, so they map out the microbiome. It costs about 380 Australian dollars, which is probably around 200 to 220 US dollars. So it's pretty expensive, um, but yeah, you literally just take a small stool sample, it goes off in the post and gets analysed. So anyone can can order it. You can either go to a practitioner to get it done, or you can go and find a website and they, they do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. One of the things I,
0: some of my friends, I don't want to gross them out, but I tell them like, <laughs> how are you with going to the bathroom? Now, that's a good yeah. indication of how how you're eating. Yeah. Cause uh, there's certain foods that if I don't eat like my roughage you know, vegetables and things, my stomach doesn't want to work like it's supposed to. And then you don't yeah. feel good. And then you, I, I'm assuming some people might just start eating more stuff that you know, like junk cookies. I think you call them, what do you call them, biscuits? I don't know if you call them biscuits, biscuits. in your country. We and do. Crisp, <laughs> uh, you know, potato, we call them potato chips here and, yeah. and things like that. So, and that stuff has, as much as I like eating them sometimes, there's really not much nutritional value. There's no fiber, probably whatsoever, right. in any of those foods. So, and like you said, the yeah. bloating, I don't drink soda, even diet sodas hardly anymore because of the way it made me feel It mm. aggravated my acid reflux as much as I would love to keep eating, you know, certain foods, it's just, it's not worth it. And I think sometimes yeah. that's what has to happen. We we have to get to the point where we're just done with eating that type of way or just living that way to where our bodies are just run down. It's not just always about the weight. It's just, you feel horrible yeah. and yes. know, sleep well and, you know, things like yeah. that. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you too, uh, I saw on your website that you said you uh, use therapeutic meditation. Now, what yes. is how is that different from just regular meditation? Or is there a
1: <laughs> Well, I call it therapeutic. There's a few different types that I do. The one that I'm doing probably most of the time at the moment in terms of teaching therapeutic meditation is something called Integrative Restoration Yoga Nidra. And that was developed by an American psychologist and yoga teacher named Dr. Richard Miller. And it is a therapeutic, um, kind of, uh, adaptation of the traditional yoga nidra. So yoga nidra is like a sleeping meditation where you lie down, you get really comfortable and the teacher takes you through a body scan and you do a little bit of breath work and it's really relaxing and lovely. With yoga nid, with iris, we do the nice relaxing sleep sleep type yoga um, meditation we do the body scan we do a bit of breath work but then we start a process of self-inquiry so i might ask you um are there any you know physical feelings that you have in your body right now so you might have a feeling of warmth for example so i get you to fully feel into what that warmth feels like in the body and then i get you to bring in what the opposite of that would be for example so bring in cold so then you, you start to bring that in and it's amazing how you can actually make yourself feel cold using your mind and then I said we'll go back to the original one so feeling warm and then you bring them both together so you do that on that physical level but then you start you work with thoughts so you might have a self-belief of you know I'm not good enough for example so you feel that in your body and that might feel like a fist in your chest and then I might say we'll bring in the opposite of that so I you know the opposite might be I am amazing or something. And how do you feel when that, so your chest might open and you might feel a softness. And then again, you work between those two opposites and then bring them together. And it just helps to diffuse them. And it where this is very powerful is when you get into the emotional stuff. And with the the injured soldiers that I work with, which a lot of it is trauma um, and PTSD. And so we get them to integrate those experiences but you've got to remember, I don't know what experiences they're having. All I'm doing is asking questions. I'm not directing. So it gives people a feeling of safety because they don't have to go anywhere they don't want to go in terms of what they're thinking about. So that's the therapeutic type of meditation where you're getting into that real sense of self-inquiry. And in the context of weight loss, it can be very, very powerful because it helps people get to the underlying reasons or drivers behind why They've put on weight, why they reach for the sugar or the comfort foods, why they don't take active steps to lose weight, even if they have a health condition related to it. So it can be very powerful in helping people understand themselves and then motivating to make changes that are going to bring health into their bodies. They They become conscious of why they're eating.
0: I call it eating your feelings. Uh, are you Absolutely. eating your feelings of anger, depression, or frustration? It's amazing how when you finally realize what you do. And I was thinking today, I haven't done that in a long time. Because usually when something comes up and I go to, in the refrigerator, I'm like, wait, stop. What are you doing? You're not hungry because you just ate yeah. an hour ago. So it's like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about this. I'm stressed out about this. So I have to go sit. And what I've learned to do is actually take a piece of paper, there's just something about when I see it on a piece of paper written down, what does bother me on one side? And then on the other side, I'll write, what can you do to to work through it? Or is there anything you could do? It might be you can't do anything, just have to let it go. But there's just something about it. It feels like you've taken control of it that way. And so, I love that. I don't mm. know if you've ever had this or any of your clients. It feels like I have all this stuff I'm worrying about. And when I finally do write it down, there's only two things, just two things. Yes. And it feels like <laughs> I've had thirty things I'm working, but it's the same two things over yeah. and over or whatever it is, it's usually not very many. So I've I've told people if you if you do have a problem with emotional eating, get quiet, write it down, type it. I don't care how you want to do it. And and you'll probably find out it's really not that many things that are bothering you that you're eating your way through. So that's one thing yeah. that, that I love. I mean, I, I advocate, hey, if you need to go talk to somebody. Therapist or whoever, I mean, if it helps you, I say go for it. I know there's some people that might not agree with that, but I oh them, no, whatever helps you, go for it. Yes,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And and I think to that point that there's some great strategies there, Gwen, that you've just mentioned. And as I said before, a lot of this is not rocket science. It is simple but very powerful things that you can do to help get your mindset right. Particularly, as you said, I love that example If you feel like there's 30 different things <laughs> that are wrong. Yeah. In fact, it's just the two, but you, you, in your mind, you're thinking and overthinking and overthinking, whereas if you write it down, it can just really empty that out of your mind and, and make it more tangible. And then, it, as you say, you can help make Perhaps an action, even if that action is to let it go, because yeah. you can't control it. And it's being very uh, aware of what you can and can't control. And yeah. so you don't that eat empowering the gallon of you're... ice cream, and you don't eat your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And I think this is you mentioned before about um, COVID. I. It's COVID, the time that we're in right now, it's very stressful for everyone. And I certainly know for me at the beginning of this, where it was so unknown and we're like, gosh, it's, are we going to be, you know, in a situation where we're going to be in full lockdown all year? Like, we just don't know what's going to be happening here. And particularly for me as a as a healthcare professional, you're thinking about all of the things that can go wrong and, and that sort of stuff. And I remember myself just going, oh, well, I'm going to have the chocolate ice cream and I'm going to have the biscuits and I'm going <laughs> to... I don't know if I'm going to be around in 2 weeks so let's go for it. I think but, a lot yeah, of people like did
0: that during this time. Yeah. And um I tried to encourage the people that follow me that take this time because a lot of people were out of work that and they finally yeah. had time to stop. It's like take this time to figure out okay is my life where I want it to be right now? Is there anything I can change when we go back to work. Do I want to go back to the same job? Do I want to do something else? Or I think more people were exercising too. I was so proud of them. Yeah. Uh, I know they couldn't I go know. to the gym, but they were exercising at home. And I'd always given tips about if you do exercise at home, here's, you know, some of the things you can do. And cause I already have my equipment. And cause all these places were running out of weights and, and, and things it's like, I already have all that. Great. Yay. I'm you yeah. know, ahead of the game, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was, a, I guess, if anything positive is, a lot of more people started thinking about their health, and they didn't want yeah. to gain a bunch of weight while they were at home during yeah. this time. Yeah. What, what do you do to stay active? I mean, do you like to walk? Do you do you like to go to the gym, or what? What mm. What do you do to try and burn some extra calories? Yeah. Well,
1: I I love to walk. I think walking is very underrated. I really don't think you have to flog yourself you know, going on a marathon to to keep your weight under control. Walking is incredibly effective for helping us, you know, burn fat. If you walk at a pace where you can just barely hold a conversation, that's your fat burning zone. So that's really awesome. I've got two dogs, so I love taking them on long walks. And that's fun for me. It's great to be out in the fresh air, in the environment, looking around, enjoying, you know, trees and all the rest of it. So I, d- I walk every day. I, um, I'm a yoga teacher, so I do a lot of yoga. Um, and I also do like lifting weights as well. And I think, you know, I'm a woman in my 40s. And when we get to this, this point, we're starting to get into that sort of perimenopausal time. It's really important for our bones to be lifting weight, doing some sort of resistance training to keep our bones nice and strong. And I just love the feeling of, you know, lifting weight. It makes me feel very powerful. So they're probably the main things that I do. But I think the important thing is to find stuff that you love to do. And maybe that's dancing. Maybe that's, you know, going and swimming. You know, it's it's finding something you really love that and gives you joy. you'll keep it up. Um, I like to walk.
0: I'm yeah. not a runner whatsoever. I've tried it. My body does not like it. Uh, no, mine neither. So, so when I sign up here, we'll, we'll have like 5K races. But they, they allow walkers sometimes. So if they allow a walker, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah it takes I can usually do three miles in about an hour if I'm moving pretty good and uh, actually I enjoy it because then I listen to books I listen to podcasts I listen to the music I like for an hour nobody's going to bother me so that's why I like walking I do like doing the you know lifting weights um, but there may be people I know people that love running and I say more power to you great but uh, it's about finding what you're going to be able to continue not just Because yeah, I could burn more calories running because I've had some people tell me that, but why do it if I'm not going to continue doing it later? You know, I love, I've been walking since 2011. That's been, you know, part of my routine. I'm still doing it. It's great. Yeah. Uh, So I love your attitude about that. And and I think it encourages people, you know, some people might like to swim. I'm not a swimmer either. I don't, it's not my thing, but I know some people that will go to the pool every day and that's their exercise.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I think as long as you're moving, even if it's dancing around your living room, you know, as long as you're doing some sort of movement that, that again brings you joy, because it should be enjoyable. And for some people, if you're just starting out on a weight loss journey, sometimes your walk is walking down to your mailbox at the end of your driveway or whatever, and then walking back. It doesn't have to be, you know, 30 minutes a day or whatever. It literally could be a five minute walk and back just to get started just just even the hardest part of doing this i find is getting started yes and i I talk to people and they say yeah the hardest part of going for a run is actually putting on your running shoes (laughs) you know that whole mindset of just getting getting out of the comfortable comfortable home and getting out there and yeah so it's just even starting very small is something so I think that is really important that you make it something that's achievable for yourself and you don't think, oh, well, I'm just going to go out and do a half hour walk from now on because yeah. maybe that's not the fitness level that you're at. And maybe you just need to work it up slowly or maybe you have an injury and maybe you just need to go do things slowly and build up your stamina for it and not beat yourself up because you're only doing a five minute walk. That's a great five minute yeah. walk. Great. Well,
0: and some people you too, depending on what your work schedule is. If you're working a 12 hour day, trying to fit an hour of exercise probably might not be, uh, Yeah. you can't do that right now, but maybe you could do 20 minutes and maybe your yeah. work schedule might change later. And then maybe you could do 30 or an hour. You know, I tell people, whatever you do now, it doesn't mean it has to be forever. You know, your life is yeah. going to change. You might have kids, kids are going to leave home, you get married, uh, you know, th- your life changes. So it's good to have a plan yeah. that changes with your life. One thing I wanted to ask you what's what's one of the biggest challenges that it seems that your clients maybe have in common? Like one thing they all, it's like, wow, this seems to be the one struggle everybody has when they come to me to try and get their weight and their health under control.
1: I would say a lot of it is, well, there's actually two things. Stress is a big one. And people don't realize the effect that stress has on their weight. So stress is a big one. We, we all have a level of stress that we have to deal with. And I think in, in 2020, this year has been incredibly stressful for oh, yeah. the, the world events that are going on. And we all feel it, even if it's not in our mind, even if we're not directly affected, we all feel it. And that just that's not something we can change but what we can do is change our response to it and we can learn to respond in it in a way that's going to be uh more positive for our minds and our so that is that's a big thing that people don't realize how important stress management is and the second thing is is gut health a lot of people put up with symptoms they put up with constipation for example i have a lot of clients that have been constipated for 10 years and they go, oh, "Oh, that's just normal for me. I only go to the toilet once a week. That's just normal for me. And they they live with it and they just think it's normal because that's the way it's been for the last 10 years. So uh, there's that, I think, gut issues is a big thing and stress and they can be big barriers to weight loss. Well, hopefully after listening to this podcast, if anybody is having
0: real problems, please talk to your doctor about that. Yes, please. And you will probably feel yes. better once they help you with that issue. I want to thank you for being on today's podcast. And usually when I get to the end of it, I like to ask the, the guest, uh, is there anything that you'd like to share with the listeners to just you know, encourage them? Anybody that might be starting or, you know, there's people that listen that are just starting their weight loss journey or in the middle of or, you know, they're in maintenance. But what's, what's the one thing you would tell them
1: to encourage them? I would say be very kind to yourself. When you're making lifestyle changes, it's really challenging and it's really hard not to compare yourself to other people that are on different stages of their journey. And particularly at the moment because we have such great access to social media and we might be watching other people, even friends, that you think gosh, they're doing so well. I'm, you know, I'm I can barely get down to my letterbox kind of thing. But so being kind to yourself and using kind inner self-talk Not letting yourself look in the mirror and go, oh, I'm this and I'm that, and being negative. It's being really positive. And one of the the best affirmations that I have found that I encourage people to do is to stand in front of the mirror, put their hand on their heart, look themselves in the eye, and say, I love and accept myself three times, morning and night. Some people can't even do that. And it's by just constantly... Doing these affirmations, I love and accept myself, just empowers you. It's beautiful. So kindness and using an affirmation like I love and accept myself would be my encouragement for people just starting out. I love that. And if anybody would like to contact you, do you have a website,
0: uh, social media? Yeah. I know you, I mentioned yeah. your podcast, but how can they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, so um, my website is susiegarden.com. So it's S-U-S-I-E, and it's garden like the rose garden and i also have a private facebook group it's free it's called the wellness glow solutions for stress anxiety and weight gain and so anyone's welcome to come and join that group that's probably where i hang out the most these days okay and i will
0: put all of those uh links in the show notes so the listeners can reach out to you so once again susie Thank thank you for being on the podcast it was a joy to talk to you today
1: thank you gwen i really enjoyed it have a lovely day The information in this podcast is for
0: informational purposes only. I'm not a medical professional. You should consult with your doctor or medical professional before beginning any weight loss or exercise program.